leave in between that dash that we talked about on the obituary of the headstone. What did I do in the middle of that dash? Yeah, I was born in 1977, October the 31st. But what happened in the middle? What did I show? How did I show the guy? On this episode of Playtime, we meet R&B legend, author, and restaurateur, Danny Boy Stewart from The Road on Tour. And later we'll hear the brand new single from Danny Boy, Done Me Wrong. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. Stewart, then you have not kept pace with R&B and soul. Danny Boy Stewart and I are about to catch you up. Danny Boy was born and raised on Chicago Gospel, but became a mainstay of Death Row Records at its height. In 2010, Death Row Records, under new management, finally released his 1996 debut album, It's About Time, featuring production by DJ Quick and Devante Swain. Danny Boy Stewart's powerful new biography is Stranded on Death Row, I will post links to the book, his Facebook page, and his Instagram at, at Danny Boy Stewart. Welcome, man. Well, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thank this you for sharing. Is, yeah, this is this is a this is an honor. Um, and I, I've I've got a lot of questions for you. I um I went through this book five times, man. And and I've got I've got notes, I've got dog-eared pages, I've got I, I wrote as much in this book as you did, just about. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> I see. Um, and and it was it was a great read. So Thank you, you pack a lot of living into forty six years, man. I can't wait for the se- uh, for the sequel. Wow! Well, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm actually working on the audio version of it now. So are you really? Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that as well. I'm working on an audio version of one of my novels. And my uh, my former co-host Carrie Kendall is is a big big devotee of of audiobooks, and she warned me against adding uh, sound effects. But I I'm thinking that that would be a positive for for you to add little bits of music or or uh, how is that coming together? Also. I was thinking at first to put some songs in it, but you know, as I'm talking about uh, the book, as I go through the chapter yeah. and I started singing on songs that I sang on or featured on, yeah. uh, I sing a little bit of I, I sing a little bit of it just so I can just take people back there, yeah. you know, to the to kind of refresh their memory with it as well. Yeah. So I'm trying to be as creative as possible with it, but I, I also understand that as uh, uh, the audio books are done a certain way as well. And I don't want to. I don't want to tamper with the real readers and listeners, uh, giving them too much. You know, too much to on, on their plan. 
except that music is such a big, big part of your your life and your experience that I, I, I think people would benefit from you pushing the envelope a little bit, take them on that ride. Wow. Just yes. I look forward to that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> just just a thought. I, and I, I talk with lots and lots of authors, some who are in the middle of producing audiobooks and, and all that. I think it's really an underrealized art form and, and people can make it. We, we produced a play on the radio, uh, the Virginian, and I put sound effects underneath it. And, and for, for once, you know, there's a campfire scene near the middle. I used 33 layers of sound to put this together. And, and I, I think, you know, theater houses uh, are, are doing this, particularly in the age of COVID. They're doing this more and more often where they're, where they're, they're layering sound underneath, underneath the, the, uh, the dialogue and creating that world. And I think, I think audiobooks are, are ripe for that. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I'm taking, notes. I'm taking notes over here. Good man. Good man. All right. All right. Uh, so let me start with this. Uh, I've seen a lot of interviews with you. I published a memoir some years back and I've talked to a lot of authors. How did you come to the decision not to pull any punches because it doesn't seem like you censored yourself for the content a whole lot. You told it like it is and like it happened. And how, how did you come to rendering people in the book as honestly as, as you perceive them, either good or negative? Well, this book is all about being transparent Yeah, and sharing my journey. And that was really hard because I didn't, first off, I didn't want anyone to feel disrespected as, as far as the things that I've talked about and mm-hmm. people that I mentioned. But again, it was very important for me to be Danny and to say it my way, the way that I think things should be said, you know, especially yeah. if you're explaining that moment and how you truly feel in that moment. Is there things that I would recant and probably say a little nicer <laughs> now that you know that I'm a little older and yeah, maybe so, maybe a few things, but then it wouldn't be that that book that I think, you know, it's like taking a horror story or, or a movie and saying, hey, let's just take the horror part out of it and leave everything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I think that's what made a great book for my for myself to tell the true story and to tell it like it is. And it was my only opportunity to be a rapper at this time like since i was on death row let's go ahead i can't rap any verses but i'll go ahead and rap these verses through you know through these chapters of my life but you were nothing but honest in in all of your interviews you are you are brutally honest um oh, but man. i but but i think i think i think this is that's an important part of you telling your journey and you tell us right up front that you're taking us on a journey and, and you're, you, you start off with your birth on, on Halloween in 1977 and, yeah. and how that's relevant to, to the story going forward. But this was, this was a very honest life story. Maybe one of the most honest, I, I have, have a dear friend who's transgender and she wrote, she wrote a book about her transition and I can't think of another book that's as honest as this one. Oh wow! Thank you. Uh, I, I I am I'm honored and blessed to even know that because that's really what I 
I intended on is just sharing my honesty yeah. and hoping to accept it. You know what I mean? Or grow from it or hopefully, you know, in, in, in chapters in their life. You know what I mean? Because I found that even though I've experienced these things, I'm not the only one. So yeah. I talked about it. So hopefully it helps somebody else either avoid them from going through what I've been through or help them through that moment as they go through. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't want to give away too much of the book. I, I think I think we should leave it to to those who buy the book on how you got your name, Danny Boy. Uh, even though I, I think I think people people could probably figure that out if if they were if they were musically uh, informed enough. <laughs> but but it's a, but it's it's a great it's a great and it's important and foundational story. I'm going to leave that to people to. To buy the book we want people to buy the book right um, yes, I <laughs> but i saw this as sort of a sideways affirming story a little tell all a little melancholia a lot of life hard life lessons am i am i close on that yes you're very 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 close That's, you hit it right on the nail yes you're very close um, and, I was I was yeah. gonna say uh, I um, couldn't have explained it again. I told you I'm over here taking notes. And all right, all right. Well, you know, then I'll just talk for the rest of the interview, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then but, but but I'll caution you: there will be a quiz uh, on what I talked about afterwards. So take copious amounts of notes. <laughs> I'm ready. One of the stories you talked about, which which was really important, you talk about getting ripped off early in the in the death row days you tell a story about shorty you were a kid not even 18 years old learning very adult fast and hard lessons talk about that a little bit uh as, as you said i signed over there death row or i got involved with shorty Capone at about the age of 14 15 years old uh -huh. and i depended on him i trusted him you know what I mean? And I'm still grateful for where he got me. You know what I mean? It was because of him, the demo deals and the demos put together that I was able to even go to California and to get the experience of traveling for the first time that far on plane. And, and, and then, oh my God, signing to the Motown of the 90s. I couldn't repay him back for that. But now that I'm grown and mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, when you say that you care from someone and knowing that I was a child, I just wish that he would have done better things or more things to protect me, you know, for a time like today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that some people in, at that time, he didn't really understand the music business. And that's kind of what I just blame it on now. Like maybe he didn't know any better. And he was doing the best that he could. Like, yeah. I'm glad that I was able to kind of grow from it and grow away from it. And what's became more important to me, even at this time, is just understanding business is more important than anything yeah um you know, we've we've talked with artists time and time again about how artists are are nurtured for their talent uh and and exploited for the talent um but they're nurtured for their talent and and that that can happen really young yeah. and and as artists we spend all of our time creating and no time learning the business yes yes and, and that's what's important you know, I mean, even for a painter that paints, you know, an artist that paints, you know, it's important for him to study the brush. You know, he want a thick stroke, he know the brush to use. He want a thick mm -hmm. stroke, know which brush to use. And I always like to say that it's you have to study, 
your craft and know the business so that, you know, it does count in the end. I'm doing this or I've been blessed to do this music thing yeah. so that it could take care of my children's children. You know what I mean? So important yep. business have to be in place. And I got it at a, at a late age, but I'm grateful, you know, now as a grown person to have a, another opportunity to, you know, do music again. So hopefully this time we get it right. Good man. Good man. We're going to talk about that in a little bit here as well. Uh, but I want to talk about your album. It's about time. Uh, DJ Quick was one of your first producers. He was also a mentor. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. That's the other Dr. Dre, I say. Yeah. Or the real Dr. Dre. Uh, to have an opportunity to work side by side with DJ Quick every day. When I signed to Death Row, he adopted me as like a little brother. And he put me amongst incredible musicians, incredible other incredible producers and writers. And, and a lot of people don't know how how gifted Quick is when it comes to producing. Like he's beyond just like a beat maker. He's really a, a producer. If you yeah. hear triangles on the he's in there. I mean, the, the triangle, the ding, 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 all the percussions. That's DJ Quick in the booth doing those things. So I've learned so much uh, from him. And to have an opportunity to start off my career with such a legend, like I, I could never repay him. He's been the most genuine in this business from day one. A, a great producer is everything. Um, this is a really uh, beautifully produced album. I had a conversation with Trevor Horn, uh, Video Killed the Radio Star, and Yes, and uh, and uh, we talked about the Grammy that he won for his production on the, the second Seal album. We talked about his virtual room of sound where the listener feels surrounded by all parts of the music um, with these beautiful moments that, that, that just rise out of the music. And that was very, very much a part of It's About Time. Um, it, like I said, it, it was a beautifully produced album, but there was no muddling between tracks. You could, you could, you could peel apart each of those tracks or you could listen, and listen to them all, um, all at oh, once. Man. Yeah. How well, much of a hand did you have in the production of that? Uh, so some of the songs I had an opportunity to produce because we were we were recording with, you know, real musicians, Warren yeah. Campbell, you know, Ricky Rouse. Those are musicians that we would come in and just give them an idea and they would come in and interpolate it for us and put it down. So uh, I wrote on a lot of the material and that was a lot of the songs that I'd done, you know, in my early years. Like I was 16, 17 years old recording those songs and. Um, when Wide Awake released that, that music, it was it was it was pretty refreshing uh -huh. because I hadn't even see where I grew from, but to see where, how it all started off was amazing. Are those are those the original tracks or uh, that you recorded back in uh, uh, 1996, I think, uh, or was any of that re-recorded or remastered? Most of them were all original tracks. Wow. Wow. Yeah. How, how does how does that feel to you now listening to to your sound in 1996? And would you do anything different? Oh, well, you know, it's just funny. I guess I, I look at maturity in the voice. Um, I've, I've been singing, you know, a few more years now. So I, I would love to re-record some of the songs because just what the songs were talking about, how relevant yeah. it is yeah. now. But uh, I used to say my name a lot in the song. You know what I mean? I would do a run <laughs> and then... Anyone, anyone. <laughs> I would make sure that I said my name in every song. I, that's, pretty, that's pretty adolescent, so to say. 
I think that's something that a beginning singer, you know, when they really want to get that point across. So I would just record a little different, but nothing would change because those producers, DJ Quick and writers from the portrait and just so many people compiled yeah. to bring that music together. So I would be kind of scared to, to change anything because it's, it's, it's organic. Very good album right now. My uh, my favorite track is is between uh, "So in Love" and "Mama Used to Say." Um, oh wow! Wow! Thank you. Those are two remakes. Uh, "So in Love" was done by uh, the artist uh, Leroy Hudson. Okay. Then the "Mama Used to Say." I think Michael. But I think Michael was his first name. Is the artist "Mama Used to Say"? Take your time, young man. Take your time. It's a great song. It feels it feels like it's um, 
it's one of the one of the most realized songs on the album. But but you say it's updated, right? Well, kind of. It's the only okay. thing they did was kind of go in and mix it and master exactly the same as I did when I was 16, 17. Nice, nice. It's it's a great. There's a there's a great flow to the album, and I, I, I've always say that you know I've always told told friends or young men who are out out looking for love uh, that if you wanted to um, impress romantically a a young woman that um, Sade's stronger than pride side one, but uh, but I, I I'm I'm kind I'm kind of leaning to it's it's about time, man. Oh, wow, man, and lean yeah. over there after saying Sade is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's got, but it's it's got the tempo. It's got you know, it, it just it, it just works. It just works. You've got uh, so we we've said that you've got a new book out. Uh, do you have a new single coming out? I heard you did. I do. My single come out tonight at midnight. Done me wrong. Mm, let me ask you something. Do you know what you've done? You didn't start it some mess. Thought I should tell you what's on my mind. I gotta get it off my chest. Gave you all that I could give Seems like it's never enough Oh, didn't I give you gems? And I treated you right when things got rough I never wanted you to hurt But one day you'll see How it feels when somebody does to you What you done to me, cause you like war every time i try and do good for you you just slam my face in the door i never wanted you to hurt but one day you'll see how it feels when somebody does to you what you done to me Uh, you're touring of the country with uh, Nina Ross, right? Yes, I love Nina Ross. I had an opportunity to meet Nina Ross on a, a talk show of one of my friends several months ago. And then I found out, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago that we were doing the same uh, NAP radio tour. Uh-huh. Incredible artist, incredible spirit. And she's from Chicago. So, like, she's out on the road. We're out here, 22 cities that we're doing. Yeah. Uh, Doing them in legs of the West Coast Lakers, where we're on right now in Oakland, mm-hmm. California. Uh, looking to go, we're going to Fresno, San Diego, and then to Las Vegas, and then I'm back home for a little while to shoot the video to Don't Be Wrong. So I'm, I'm really excited. Yes. Nice, nice. How's how's the reaction been so far? 
Oh, it's been great. We've I've done some book uh, some book signings and some meet and greet. And whether it's been one to or twenty people showing up, I'm so appreciative and, and follow me. So you know, and I see them like as soon as they walk away, they follow me like, wow, I'm gonna follow you and da 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 da. So that feels really good because you're mm-hmm. able to talk you know, one-on-one. So I, I, I'm very excited about watching this thing grow organically. Are you, are you in Chicago right now? Or are you, I mean, I mean, are you, are you based in Chicago or are you? Yes, I am based in Chicago. Nice. And um, I, I love my city. I am working on, I'm also a restaurant tour and uh, my restaurant will be open in a couple of weeks. It's called Old Danny Boys. Old Danny Boys, 1247 Southwestern. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I owe you a meal because you just right on top of all of it. <laughs> what 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 kind of food are you gonna serve? So um, you know, we we're a comfort we do comfort food. I do burgers, wings, tacos. Uh-huh. The difference with kiss of culture. So I got a Tupac burger, I yeah. have a biggie burger, Anita Baker beans, Bernie macaroni, Al Anita Baker. Yeah, and so I kind of tied it into either artists or philanthropists that I just look up to. Uh, just a, a kiss of culture, man, and 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 hopefully people will come in. And my slogan is "Lick my fork," and it's on the <laughs> building. Oh, I can't wait to come by and lick your fork. I got Bob Marley tacos, so I'm excited about that journey as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna come in. You don't you, you're not gonna buy me a meal, but uh, but I, I'm you're you're gonna sign the book. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna support the uh, the 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 success of uh, of Odani Boys when it's a when it's a chain, uh, you can buy me a meal. Yes, okay, <laughs> I'll make I'll make sure of that, and I received that. That's what I <laughs> plan on to just being a big franchise. So you definitely got that meal coming. Good man, good man. Um, sure. What is your first musical memory? My first musical memory is singing in church. Yeah. You started out singing gospel. Started out singing gospel, and I can remember almost—I can almost remember that Sunday, you know, standing on the seat and singing the song. How old were you? I remember, I was about mm, 10, 11. Yeah. And I can remember how hard my mother was just smiling, and uh, every moment that I sang in church. Uh, my mom had several strokes, so she had speech impediment. So that's one of my biggest memories in the world. That's what kind of helped keep my mother alive to me today. Every time I sing, I close my eyes and envision her on the throne. She was a, uh, she was a big part of your life and career. Yes, she was. She was a driver. Yeah. Yes, yeah, she was. No doubt. And she named me Danny Boy. So she must have knew that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Then I got teased. Nobody's teasing you now. Oh, no. It's the other things that I probably started. <laughs> Let's fast forward to American Idol and the year the year following when your when your world was rocked uh, by a series of family losses and a betrayal by death row's lawyers that led to you finding God or God more powerfully. Talk talk about that period in your life because I see that as really as really pivotal. Oh wow! I don't know where to start on the lost or where, where should I start again? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, yeah, we, we can we can start with with American Idol. All all these things sort of came to you, you know, one right after another. So so you went from you went from death row being in the middle of, of that, and for lack of a better term, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll I'll say that that 
extraordinary access and notoriety to American Idol. And then that was upset by uh, the death row lawyers um, yeah. not, not allowing you to release your album uh, or not, not releasing you or saying that you weren't released from your contract. Uh, and right. that, that created a mess. Uh, and and then, then to make matters worse, you had, you had three significant losses in, in your life. Well, American Idol, you know, it, it is what that show is. It was, yeah. An yeah. it was an opportunity for me to uh, have an opportunity to sing, use a big platform. Yeah. And at that time, American Idol was, I think that was probably the third or fourth season. So it was blowing up really big. And I, wanted that opportunity to sing on the big stage mm-hmm. and I went in I fake, kind of faked my name I told him my name was Danny Stewart I mean I used my name but I didn't tell him too much about Danny Boy. yeah you know I told him I'd done the book for Tupac but I didn't let him know that I was really in a deal mm-hmm. and wasn't going to let me on the show and they eventually you know thought about it for about two weeks yeah they let me yeah. on the show and while I was there the people that was over death row they started releasing things on their uh, websites saying that I was coming out with an album and it disqualified me from uh, going further in, in it but I had an awesome time to be able to sleep out in, with thousands of people outside yeah yeah trying to follow their passion I met great people and man just to hear a thousand voices sing at one time you were you were kind of yanked out of that out of that reality being part of death row so young that you didn't you didn't really get to feel a little bit but but you really didn't get to feel that that purity of the art form where people were were doing it because it was it was important to them and with without without financial reward or without fame or promise of of either of those and and so was being part of that with um, with American Idol, a uh, kind of kind of a gut check for your your art form. Oh yes, for sure. And then to get on there and to be judged, you know yeah. what I mean. I was going through all of these things coming from Death Row, yeah, and you know, experienced a little bit of the fame or popularity side, mm-hmm. and to be able to go up there and be treated as if the, as the next thing, you know what I mean, or you know, to hear Simon say, you know, that was boring. Then once I sang the next song, it was like, oh, my God, it was the best song, you know, to, to hear that. I hadn't been on a platform where I was judged out loud. Yeah. So it gave me strength. You know what I mean? It let me know that, all right, well, I didn't make it too far on the show, but Paula said some nice things about me or, you know, the Simon, he wasn't at first, but it turned around. I think that speaks speaks to you a lot as not not only as an artist but a person that you were willing, especially after all that earlier stuff, to to accept and and kind of revel in that uh, that critique, that objective that, critique. Very 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 humbling, very humbling moment. Uh, that's a piece of my survival. Alone by the bar, name was Dion. She was five, oh, she was thick. Got the mystical and ways, elusive, not the game she plays. From the second I approached her, we just clicked. Now, I gained her lamely, she said, You don't have to 
complain me I can feel your vibes and yes I do agree She got a piece from the valet As we started to parlay Cause there's something that she wanted me to see And this is what she said to me. I, I, I struggled over this question uh, I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it is it is it fair to, to say that death row was was structured like life for kids caught up in gangs and drugs uh, for that matter so was uh, Wall Street the government casinos by the way that that is there there are a few at the top making ungodly sums of money while while there are, there are hungrier kids at lower levels of the organization that are that are often kept hungry but they're 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 kind of enticed with the women and the cars and 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 cash that that comparison stuck in my red stuck in my head as i read how death row endlessly dangled the the album that first album in front of you and i i'm wondering how fair that comparison is very great very fair and great um, yeah. comparison you know, because I was always told for years that I'm next. You know what I mean? Uh, but one thing that I can, re- I, I do appreciate about what Shook did is he was well at piggybacking artists off of each other. Uh huh. You know, her deep cover, Dr. Dre, you got Snoop Dogg. And just for me to have opportunity to work with Tupac as much as I did and to get that light, even though I was mad, like my album was supposed to come out first, but Pac was sharing his life and his stage and his microphone with me as well. So, it was an incredible setup where he was able to introduce me to the world. You mm-hmm. know, as the next guy. And uh, it's just very unfortunate that the ball was dropped. I, I've been on both sides of, of this argument. You've lived both sides of hip hop versus gangster rap. When when does describing in in your view a reality crossover to advocating for for a lifestyle? I guess it starts like, like you say, with the East Coast, West, West Coast thing. Yeah. You know, music is one thing and hate is another. Uh, those two things don't really go together. You know what I mean? When you look back at times that, you know, back in the olden days, people sung songs like, I've been working on a railroad all the little long day. All of those songs and to teach a baby the ABCs, it had to be sang to that child. Yeah. You know, them to get it and so you know and, and when we go through things the first thing we do is listen to music so music is so strong it, it moves people and you know that's the that's the difference i think we have to be careful of what we're advocating to music i enjoy every moment that i had when it came to death row and the east coast west coast thing those are my younger days yeah but now now you know it's like that dash in between on your obituary or on obituary you know, you got the 1977s when it started in the middle, the dash, that's the most important part. What did you do in the middle? Because in the end, it doesn't matter. And I want to make sure that my music, you know, not only spread, I don't want anything to invoke hate or anything to invoke someone not liking me. Let's use this music to heal the land and make people love again. That's great. That's great. I, I, and and to to your point, I'm working on on a book about uh, it's called the history of light for the artist. It it, it, it talks about the steps in in our our evolutionary ascension uh, via the arts and and how arts were foundational. And uh, 
speaking to, to the point that you made about we all start with music, that's how, uh, that's how our species began doing these communal, these communal tasks that were laborious and time consuming and even painful. But, but those were, and, and you see this in, in, in uh, indigenous uh, cultures around the world now, where, where they do this, they, they sing their call and response or, yep. or work songs that help yep. the community get through those arduous tasks or, or oh, those yeah. painful tasks. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yes, yes. Change? Shit. I guess change is good for any of us. Whatever it takes for any of y'all niggas to get up out the hood. Shit, I'm with you. I ain't mad at you. Got nothing but love for you. Do you think, boy? Yeah. All the homies that I ain't talked to in a while. I'ma send this one out for y'all. Know what I mean? Cause I ain't mad at you. Heard y'all tearing up shit out there. Kicking up dust. Giving a motherfuck. <laughs> yeah, niggas. Cause I ain't mad at you. Now we was once two niggas of the same kind. Quick to holler at a hoochie with the same line. You was just a little smaller, but you still roll. Got stressed to Y.A. and hit the hood swole. Remember when you had a Jerry Curl? Didn't quite learn. On the block with your Glock, tripping off Sherm. Collect calls to the tilt, saying how you changed. Oh, you a Muslim now. No uh, you have, and you spoke a little bit about it just a moment ago, uh, you have a deep admiration for the late Tupac Shakur. Um, and that comes through really strongly in the book. You knew him as well as anyone those final years. What was he like one-on-one? Wow. Oh, a genius. Yeah. Caring. A maverick. And again, when you're young or you're in a situation, wow, you was around this person, a person that 26 years later, 27 years later, you hear his music and it sounds brand new. It sounds like it was recorded yesterday and new generations are being introduced. He really did inspire um, a, a, a whole generation, so generations. Oh. Of, of hip-hop and rap, Eminem, 50 Cent's in the club uh, was all but lifted from, from uh, Heaven Ain't Hard to Find, from the lyrical rhythm uh, to the wow. structure of the verses and even the theme. He, he was really a pioneer, man. Simply because you're nervous, let me start off with my conversation. Hoping my information alleviates the hesitation. I can see it clearly now. Catch a smile through your friends. I'm asking, baby, boo. Are you down? Although I know you heard about my reputation across the nation, Mr. I get around. My temptation got me dripping wet and perspiration. I'm activated by the moves you making, baby. Why you making strip? Nigga, get the love making. See, it's all in your mind. So every time I sip a glass of wine, I fantasize till that ass smile. I'm never getting but wrong. Never touching but wishing a straight drug on a mission until I get what I'm missing. Stop with the beat, but baby, listen. I know you grow, but pay attention. Let me hypnotize you with my tongue kissing. This is a Heaven ain't hard to fuck. 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 He
just had faith. Just like a little kid, still believing in magic. It takes a lot of sacrifice. And with all the lonely nights on tour, I need somebody I can trust in my life. Let me apply the brakes. Maybe you're moving too fast. My conversations are getting deeper. But first, let me ask, are you afraid of the thug? And have you ever made love with candles and bubbles slipping in the tub? Touch me and let me activate your blood pressure. Yeah, and here it is, man. Like I said, man, we put those songs on today. You know, and I, I'm not bragging. It's, it's not the songs that I was a part of. You play that All Eyes on Me album, and it sounds like you recorded it last night. Yeah, yeah. But, you know what I mean? So uh, it's, it's just crazy that, uh, again, like I knew this guy. And a lot of people, you know, I read comments. They'd be like, well, you only knew him for two years. It felt like a lifetime, the time that I knew him. And, and to know him that I was able to spend those last moments and get something off of the tree of, it was like a tree of knowledge. Not yeah. only was he a rapper, the man sat, in, sat back and read a lot. And when he read something, he would tell you about what he read, even if you didn't understand it. He's gonna make sure you understood it before that conversation was over with. No, you're not getting it. You're not getting it, you gotta listen. <laughs> and now that I look at this, like, wow, that dude was the next guy. That dude was the next president. He was the next person to lead a nation. You know what I mean? So it's unfortunate that his life ended, you know, at such a young age. Yeah. But look at it, even though it ended 25, 26 years ago, he's still living today musically and still moving the nation. And I'm blessed to have been a part of that. You worked far more and, and, and uh, you, you just alluded to it, um, but you, you worked far... Uh, and produced far more than you than you say directly in the book, and 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 I get it. You, you had to move. You had to move the story along. Yeah. So you, you can't just go through those arduous uh, those arduous periods in the studio where you're laying on down multiple tracks and and redubbing and and and, uh, and all that riffing and and figuring out all the things you need to figure out um, to, to to finalize and finish a, a, a musical um, selection, but you guys worked a lot and produced a lot in a short amount of time. Yes. Every day should rented a studio. And that's all it was. The A in the B studio. And I stayed in the B studio every day. <laughs> it was like, it was, that was my playground. I didn't, I don't know. How to, that was my swimming. That was my basketball. That's what I was, <laughs> you know, being around that great music and, you felt like you had to give your best because the best was there. Snoop yeah. Dogg, best at what he did. Tupac took it up to another level. So just to have that energy in one building, it was many a hits and many of blessings that came. Your, your face just lit up when when I, I, I mentioned Tupac and when you were talking about him. Uh, that was that was really, really impressive to see. And, and I wish people could see this, but I think it comes through strongly in your in your words and your voice um let's let's talk about shoot night a, a little bit the money flowed to what many of us might call obscene levels um he he was kind of a santa claus
Oh, yes, he was. Yes, he was. The big guy. A lot of people may know him as the big mean guy. Yeah. The blood. And I, I, I bring I bring that up because because I, I, I really wanted to bring this this lineup from from the book. And I'm, I'm going to quote you directly from the book with a with a word white people should not say. But it's uh, it's also to make a point. Uh, you make this ob- observation in the book. You write, quote, I think the authorities handed out for, for Sue the fact that he had millions behind him only further exacerbated things. This was the beginning of niggas having money outside sports. It was new, and I think they made it made them nervous. I didn't censor that word because I thought it holds a lot of really stark power, and it describes a racial animus towards Blacks who have achieved wealth and power even today, maybe especially today, sadly. But that is a powerful observation, and I'd love you to speak uh, a bit more about it. Yes. Uh, And I spoke that because I spoke that way because I knew people, and especially my people, would definitely understand where I was coming from. And and what do I mean by that? I explain to people all the time, unfortunately, in the world, that racism is still strong. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, some, some, and it's not just strong against, you know, we would like to just say it's white, it's black. You know, there's a lot of racism in our own culture. Mm-hmm. A lot of black people dislike black people. A lot of white people dislike white people. So I think people, there's a thin line in between hate and being prejudiced. Yeah. Um, and I said that to say that, you know, I always tell people, especially people that I know get money, there's certain things that we are allowed as black men, especially black young men, you know what I mean? Because nobody really told us how to save or how to invest at a young age. Or, yeah. You know, the car isn't more important than, you know, the jury isn't more important than investing in IRAs or we wasn't taught those type of things. So the first thing that we do as in my culture is go get all of the things that we think is satisfying, such as the jewelry, spend a bunch of money on bags and different things like that. And um, one thing that I do realize is no matter how much me as a black man, I could get $100 million and I'll still be a black man that's probably not respected to be wealthy or rich. I'll just be a black man with money or change. And so I want to make sure that even within the midst of that, even now, like, I, it's been times that I didn't have a dollar or a dime, but I thank God for this moment that I know about investments now. I know about how to act and what's important. You know what I mean? Sometimes we take our money and try to show off for people. Go get the biggest car, you know what I mean? That costs the most gas, costs the most monthly, just to show off for a neighbor that's really not paying you any attention. I, I did relief work for, for Rwanda and was in Bosnia during the genocide, you know, and then growing up in this country and trying to figure out the commonality between, between that hate. Uh, and and I, I came to it this way, and I, I'd love your thoughts on this a little bit, that we have a tendency to subdivide our world down to ourselves. So it's it's my country, and then East Coast, West Coast, or Midwest. Uh, then it's yeah. Chicago and suburbs. Then it's yeah. uh, it's West Side, North Side. Then it's yeah. my neighborhood, my family, myself. 
we're subdividing ourselves down and that's and that's a negative as opposed to uh, as opposed to multiplying ourselves out into the world and erasing those boundaries and encompassing as many people as we can. I, I love your thoughts on, on that. That that's so crazy because uh, to, to case in point, I'm from the west side of Chicago, mm-hmm. but I grow. I learned to say that I'm from Chicago because it's such a big place. It's so beautiful because I have so many friends that was born on the west side of Chicago. That's never been up. They've never been, you know, uh, they've never been on the lake side down on the east side. Of yeah, it's been where they're from and their neighborhood. Yeah. And that's not really doing uh, all that life has to offer for us. Some people don't really realize how big Chicago is and everything that it has to offer. So, you know, I agree with you. Like, I'm from Chicago. You know what I mean? I've been to other places that, that you know, that suffered much, much more, much, much more than, than, than we have or, you know, in other countries. So I, 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 I wear that Chicago thing on my sleeve. Can't you Hardest, um, the hardest thing. I didn't want to make make this the focus of, of our conversation, uh, but it bears covering. In 2016, you came out to the world, and yeah. friends turned on you, and others just accepted you for who you are and moved on. Um, were you surprised by by the negative reaction, or or did you expect that to some some extent? Um, I wasn't so surprised by the by negative reaction. I remember even some of the family members that still don't talk to me to this day. I just took it always as, this is my brother. This is my family. This is my mother's child, is what I've always taken it as. And I've always accepted them for who they were. And I, it, it took even with me coming out to know that everybody isn't like Danny. You know what I mean? They're not going to have that same accepting heart or forgiving heart. And I'm not saying that, you know, I, I accept it. There's things that I just don't like. There's nothing that I want to push on anyone, but love conquers everything. Yeah. And so when you, think that, when you think that you're in a time that you really need that love and those people kind of step out on you, it just shows you what the reality of life is. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't apologize for being me. I don't apologize for letting the world know who I am because you know, for, for every five people that say a negative comment or don't like me, God sent 20 people to tell me that it's okay. 
and that they love me the same. And they love me, never met me and how I helped them, you know, through their time. And that's what I live. Whether, whether I never smile again just to know that something I said or a song that I said or a tune that I may have hummed make the next person smile. I, I have this, I have a, a, a sneaking suspicion, like a lot of things in the Black community, that the, that attitude is really imported by, by the white community or, or by the larger community. And that, that comes in the form of this outright assault on Black men by the society. And, and so, so that places such a premium on Black men within, within the Black community that, do, am, am, I, am I on the right track? Am I, am I off? Yes, you're on the right track. But because it's one step removed, it, it's, not, it's not equated with that sort of passive and I guess some, uh, sometimes outright genocidal attitude. We're, 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 we're under attack. It's, it's the yeah. way that I can, you know, ask God to cover me daily. And I can't just, as I speak, because I have young men that I'm raising, my son. That I'm yeah. Raising, you know, I would like to say that, you know, it's a prejudice thing again. <laughs> it's not. It's beyond that. I'm scared of my own neighbor, myself, daily. Yeah. From people that I grew up with or I do their family. That's the same color as I am. So I think it's more deeper than just concentrating on prejudice against color. It's so much hate yeah. in the world, in our own community. It's so much hate against each other. Those are things that Anthony, who you lost tragically to suicide, do you feel that 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 fed Anthony's desperation? Yeah, because he um uh, he uh he he was such a sweet dude. First off, some of those things I could imagine was right, but at his service, I can remember names of people in his family that he thought that they felt a certain way, or he said something about them. And as they said, a name to speak. And 
and I never met them in their life, but I recognized the love that they did have for him. Yeah. That they may have showed, you know, too late because of, again, the way that we come up. You know, everybody's kind of scared to say, you know what? You're gay, but you're my son, and I still love you for it. You know, because they're embarrassed about what other people would think. You know what I mean? But it was really amazing to, to see the love that his family really did have for him. And I thank God for the, the time that Anthony and I spent together. It gave me life again. Uh, as you've seen in, so, so, in the book, there were so many loss in my life yeah. that I thought about giving up. It's a, it, it's a book of survival. I, I'll, I'll give you that. He's a part of that survival package because when I lost two sisters and my dad all within months apart, yeah. You know, my dad died on the same day as my mother. So those are things that if you ever considered suicide, those are things where the enemy would come in and say, this is the moment to jump. This is the moment to quit. So that's what birth, you know, love against suicide, where I'm able to advocate and, and, and push and talk to people and, and hopefully help them through it. And I partnered up with an organization, save.org, you know what I mean? Because there's so many people that's hurting in the inside. Only if I could have gotten back to Anthony that weekend to talk yeah because sometimes that's all that people need is to know or to hear affirmation or confirmation yeah. of love i had that uh, that i was going to ask you about uh love against uh against suicide but uh but you you you've covered it and we'll we'll post uh, a link to that in in the notes absolutely did, did it make it easier at all for you or did it figure it at all um, when uh, Jason Collins, the, uh, the player for the, uh, for the Nets, Brooklyn Nets, uh, when he came out in 2013, um, did, did that make it easier or did it figure into, into your thinking at all? Was, was it really just the, the spark and the moment with Anthony? I, it was a spark for me. Uh, it was definitely a spark. Yeah. Of the moment for Anthony. He caught a lot of hell for that. Yeah. It was a it was a it was a lot of hell during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I did it, you know, a little ahead of time. What do I mean by that? Is that we're now in a moment of it's being it's being accepted. Yeah. It's being accepted a little more. The little the little Nas X and you know, athletes that's came out, you know, different actors that came out and people aren't embracing it you know, at, at this time. So, you know, it just showed me that things does change. All of the hate that I did receive. And, uh, you know, it's still the day I received hate and death threats over my sexual preference, over the love that I choose to pay. But I walk past it because I know that this, those are just people that, you know, either they're hiding or they're waiting, to, they're, they're begging to grow on the inside as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. You know, I, I used to tell this story. I, I bartended at a place uh, in Lincoln Park, this was uh, this was during this was the very early '90s, during the height of the uh, of the AIDS epidemic, and and a, a number of of uh, the waiters that uh, that I worked with ended up passing away uh, due to AIDS. Um, but there were there were members of ACT UP uh, who were who were on the staff, and I had just moved in from the suburbs, and I you know. I had I had grown up in, in a very loving family who you know they they wanted me and nur- and nurtured me to 
to accept people for who they were. Right. Um, oh, wow. But I was still I was still in that suburban mindset of, well, yeah, you can be gay, but do you need to do you need to kiss each other or hold each other's hand on the street? Where I, you know, that 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 kind of hyper uh, hyper straight squeamishness, and it, it wasn't it wasn't. And I used to have knockdown drag out arguments with a couple of, of very very close friends who were still close to me who were members of ACT UP. And, but that was, that was a part of, that was a part of my growing and part of my, my, my learning to, to really accept people for who they are and not people who, for who I could tolerate. If that makes, right. if that makes any sense. Really good. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and I think, I think what, what you said, people need to get to that level in themselves where they're willing to accept people for who they are, not for who they're willing to tolerate. That's right. Wow. Yes. Great words, sir. Also, a, a very devout Christian. Yes, I am. Christian, Christian and gay, not Christian versus gay. I had in 2008. I had the honor of speaking with Vernita Gray. And for people who don't know who Vernita Gray is, she was she was a black woman. She was one of Chicago's very first lesbian and gay activists back back in the 60s. Uh, she spoke about going into a church and being turned away because she was black. Um, I think that priest would have burst into flames if she knew that she was also a lesbian. Do you think things are changing in the community and in the church community with respect to to LGBTQ people, or is it uh, are we are we on a roller coaster with this, uh, and and we're we're kind of down in that roller coaster loop right now, trying to get back up? Uh, we're definitely in a roller coaster because being gay, the first thing that we, as Christian, I'll speak, that's the first thing that we can quickly condemn someone over and send them to hell is the gay thing. But we ignore all the other things that the Bible says. Yeah. You know, we love to talk about the Simon and Ramora story and they make it about two guys, but they forget that it was about the land and things were going on in this land that God didn't appreciate such as today. Uh, one thing that I've learned, it took me again, not just be a Christian and a believer. I believe in Christ. 
I believe in Jesus. I believe in his blood. I believe in God. But also it took for me to study, as I've heard my grandmother say, to show thyself. You have to read the Bible for yourself. You have to gain a relational relationship, a personal relationship versus being religious. Like there's a, there's a neighbor that religiously walked their dog every day, every day at a certain time. She know that dog is going to use the bathroom. She know when the dog is going <laughs> to eat. That's religion. That's religious. But when you get a relationship with God and we started to saying just uh, my first scripture, I think I remember learning was the scripture when it said our father who art in heaven. That automatically showed me that I have access, that he's your dad. He's my dad. He's yeah. our father. And that my father don't, even when he don't approve of me, he don't throw me away. Even when I do things to not make him happy, he don't cut my neck off and cut my hands off and say, I'm done with you. So that's a thing that Christians have to, that's a worldly thing that Christians are dealing with, where we're going to just go ahead and condemn and judge right now because this is what God said. God said he's about love. That's what he's about. Sodom and Gomorrah, by the way, uh, came long before Jesus. And yeah. uh, and Jesus, for whom uh, Christianity is is named for, uh, spoke only about love. And yeah. to yeah, I'm just just a uh, an underscore of your great point. Yes, and it's all about love, man. And that's what it took for me. Even how can I accept myself being free spirit and being a bisexual man? How can I accept myself? Yeah. and serve God at the same time. And it just always takes me back to the scripture of that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and that whoever loved him, that means that mean prostitute, that means pimp, that means drug dealer, lesbian, homosexual, that whosoever loved him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that's what I'm living to have, everlasting life, to leave in between that dash that we talked about on the obituary of the headstone. What did I do in the middle of that dash? Yeah, I was born in 1977, October the 31st, but what happened in the middle? What did I show? How did I show the God in me? Nice, nice, beautiful place uh, to to finish. Danny Boy Stewart, author, R&B legend, and former Death Row artist. The book is Stranded on Death Row. Get it. Uh, you will not be disappointed. I will link to the book and Danny Boy's social media in the notes below. Also, loveagainstsuicide.org. Uh, man, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your platform. Uh, this conversation was really incredible. What do I mean by that? You do a lot of interviews with people, and you can tell when they kind of Google things and try to put things together. But I am so honored that you read my story like that you took your time out of your day to read my story and follow me, just not my music, uh, but through my life journey. I appreciate that. And uh, I look forward to shaking your hand, sir. You and too. And you when I come to Chicago as well. <laughs> when, uh, when, by the way, is Old Danny Boys going to, uh, going to open? I'll, I'll be relaunching. Uh, I, I go on a three-week hiatus in between this break for the tour. Okay. So then the next and a half, two weeks, I'll be opening those doors. And then I heard August the 3rd, we're hosting something with you. So I'm, I'm sure for sure, if I'm not feeding you before, then August the 3rd, I'll have <laughs> Danny Boy Stewart. You know what? I, I, I have to ask you this. Can I get a little bit of Sam Cooke change is going to come uh, to close us out? 
Of course you can. Thank you so much. Right. Uh, I was born by the river in a little town. Just like that river I've been running ever since. It's been a long, 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 long time coming. And I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, brother. That was great. <laughs> Wow, thank you for letting me my gift. I look forward to shaking hands with you. We close with Danny Boy's latest single, Done Me Wrong. If you like this program, please click the subscribe button. Until next time, I'm W.C. Turk. Mm, let me ask you something. Do you know what you've done? You didn't start it some mess. Thought I should tell you what's on my mind. I gotta get it off my chest Gave you all that I could give Seems like it's never enough Oh, didn't I give you gems? And I treated you right when things got rough I never wanted you to hurt But one day you'll see How it feels when somebody does to you What you done to me, cause you like war every time i try and do good for you you just slam my face in the door i never wanted you to hurt but one day you'll see how it feels when somebody does to you what you've done to me cause you